leaving my kids on the first day of school, senior year for my son, traveling nearly 5,000 miles over six days, visiting sites built in the late 1700s, Bourbon Street, beignets, voodoo, Sazeracs, poking alligators, family reunited, pontoon boats, epic food, spreading ashes, and peace. My trip to Louisiana had it all and more. Getting to know the state my biological family loves while traveling closer to them every day, knowing our visit would culminate in putting my birth mother Belle to rest is nearly indescribable, but I'm going to try anyways. I'm Kelly, and this is Do You Know Your Real Mom? The journey begins. Despite what most would expect, there was really only one thing I was nervous about before embarking on our journey. I wasn't nervous about flying. I was confident I had handled the reservations well, and if something changed, well, the fire had taught me how to roll with change. Even if they lost our luggage, replacing a few essentials seemed easy compared to a whole household. This was the first time Michael and I went on a trip, just the two of us, since our honeymoon 21 years ago, and I was nervous to be away from my kids for that long. The first day of our trip was the first day of school, senior year for our son River, and eighth grade for our daughter Brooke. Oh, were you picturing little ones when I said I was nervous to be away from them? Nope. They are stable, independent, reliable teenagers who I just happen to really enjoy being around. People make assumptions when they hear how rarely we have left them, but the truth is we just really enjoy their company and they make experiences more robust. I travel frequently for work and by day four, I'm typically ready to be home with my people. Brook and River both enjoy the outdoors, sports, and have a great sense of humor. Our family is full of joyful laughter. We love playing cards together, camping, and fishing. In between adventuring, I love piling on the couch together, eating Chinese food, watching Step Brothers for the billionth time, and laughing at our ridiculous bulldogs. So on Tuesday, we took the traditional first day of school pick and then loaded into the Jeep to drive to Sacramento. The airport wasn't too busy, so we got through ticketing and security fairly quickly especially since I always get a pat-down of some kind going through security. Apparently, I'm suspicious. Even when traveling with a group, I will be the one who gets a pat-down. This time, it was just my ankle. We boarded and got our seats in my favorite location, the very back row. I probably shouldn't tell this secret, but on flights like these, where there's only one seat not taken, it will most likely be in the back row. My trick worked, and Michael and I had a little extra space. We landed in Las Vegas with a great view of the Strip, and enough time to grab a bite to eat before boarding for New Orleans. Not only did we have the one open seat by us on this flight as well, but we picked the best side of the plane. I was grateful there was no one next to us as we flew over the Grand Canyon, and I clamored over Michael to get a view. 
Michael absolutely loves to fly and doesn't get to nearly as often as I do, so I gave him the window seat the whole time. I've always wanted to see the Grand Canyon, and the view from the air was breathtaking. Our timing for the flight was also perfect, as we flew over the Mississippi River and into New Orleans just as the sun was setting. I text my bio brother, Jonathan, Louisiana is already showing off. He replied, it does that from time to time. After listening to the stewardess tell the couple in front of us that she would ask the captain if they could pop off the plane to grab a beignet before the plane left for its next destination in 30 minutes, those of us stopping in New Orleans were able to deplane. We grabbed our luggage and headed for the rental car shuttle, stepping outside for the first time into the Louisiana heat and humidity. Prior to our trip, Jonathan had chuckled that he had promised to never ask me to come to Louisiana in August, but as he said, I guess mom got the last laugh, and she was probably chuckling, because I've joked many times about what a wuss I am in the heat. But on the advice of a family member, we were armed with our anti-monkey butt powder and ready. I don't know what monkey butt is, but judging by the bright red bum on the monkey on the container, I did not want to find out. We drove about 20 minutes to get to our hotel in the French Quarter. So if you're wondering, no, the couple flying through did not get to pop off for beignets. As we entered the historic district, we were already struck by the beauty of the old buildings. We checked into our hotel, a striking old brick building built in 1860, and asked the concierge where we could get a bite to eat. As it was already 9 p.m. Louisiana time, a bite to eat within walking distance meant our small town selves were headed straight for Bourbon Street. Bourbon Street can mean letting loose and letting your cares go while you enjoy amazing food, drinks, and live music. For me, experiencing Bourbon Street at 9 o'clock on a Tuesday was ideal. We tried local beer and fried green tomatoes while sitting on a balcony overlooking the party. I'll just leave to your imagination to picture the fraction of free-spiritedness we observed. Walking back to our hotel, we took in the incredible live music and energetic vibe. While I can see why some like to let loose on Bourbon Street, I understand why Belle, Jonathan, and the family would choose to spend Mardi Gras elsewhere. According to Jonathan, Mardi Gras on Bourbon Street means you don't decide where you're going, the crowd decides for you. Not at all surprisingly, I would prefer Belle and Jonathan's versions of Mardi Gras. I remember that Belle had sent me a package containing various Louisiana memorabilia. In addition to the shirt dyed with Louisiana red dirt, which is a familiar theme to those of us from Paradise, it contained various items from Mardi Gras, including beads, masks, and a Mardi Gras and Mamou t-shirt. Mardi Gras and Mamou followed the more traditional, old-school aspects of Mardi Gras with a courier. The best way to explain the Courier de Mardi Gras is by reading a display I found in the Louisiana Museum. About two dozen South Louisiana, Cajun, and Creole communities celebrate Mardi Gras with a courier, a French term for a house-to-house -house run, either in the countryside or in town, accompanied by an accordion, a fiddle, and a tit-fur, which is an iron triangle. Maskers sing a traditional tune, 
begging the man or lady of the house for ingredients to make a gumbo. Onions, flour, or rice may be offered, but the most prized donation is a chicken. To obtain it, the Mardi Gras, as the maskers are called, must catch the live animal, an intense and exhilarating contest. When the course, another French word for the run, ends, the revelers return to town where residents share the day's bounty in a gumbo and enjoy a dance, which ends promptly at midnight, the beginning of Lent. Now that sounds pretty fun. Oh, but wait, I'm getting ahead of myself again. The Louisiana Museum was the next day, Wednesday, along with many other incredible New Orleans experiences, most of which suggested by Jonathan. I'll tell you all about it next week on Do You Know Your Real Mom? If you'd like to see pictures of my journey, you can find them on my website at www.doyouknowyourrealmom.com.